Are you a big fan of podcasts? Are you looking for a way to support the Tavern of the Taguk Warriors podcast? Go to stitcher.com slash premium and sign up for Stitcher Premium today. It's only $4.99 a month, and if you use our promo code WARRIORS at checkout, you can get one month free on us. With Stitcher Premium, you get access to ad-free episodes, exclusive shows from Stitcher, and comedy albums from the biggest comedians like Ali Wong, Patton Oswalt, and more. Try Stitcher Premium today and support the Tavern of the Takeoff Warriors podcast at the same time. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a, another episode of the Tavern of the Taeguk Warriors podcast. Um, kind of a unique episode today. Really excited that um, we could link up. Um, my name is Bennett Hogendorn, and I am really happy to be joined with Kevin Kim of yes. New York, right? Um, yes. Which borough, which borough are you in, Kevin? I forgot. I am currently in Brooklyn, but if anyone asks, I am repping the Lower East Side. So Love it. There we Love go. it. <laughs> And um, I know you're originally from Miami, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess um, before we go into the questions, uh, just mm-hmm. to paint a little picture. So um, Bennett and I decided, well, we were gracefully given the platform by Michael to chat about our backgrounds because we are the most diasporic Koreans that come in uh, the States. Uh, I myself come from Miami. And Bennett, where in Wisconsin are you at right now? Or where are you? Madison. You got it Madison. right when we were messaging earlier. Yep, copy, Madison. Copy, yep. copy. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure to, pleasure to be here. And I'm looking forward to chatting about our backgrounds because I don't know many Koreans that aren't like knee deep into the Korean culture that exists within their communities, right? I. Yeah, Kevin, I'm really happy to hear that. And I think that's why we wanted to do this is more of like a therapeutic thing of anything. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, shout out Michael for letting us have the platform to do this. I um, wouldn't facts. do it without his help too. And Albert, facts, of facts. course, too. But yes, um, Albert. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Kevin, I think the goal of this when we were talking about it um, was to talk about, like you were saying, our upbringings and our exposure to Korean culture mm-hmm. in areas where there maybe weren't a lot of Koreans around us. Correct. And how that kind of helped shape our identity today mm-hmm. and then maybe later on get into maybe some of the national team stuff and our exposure to that yes that should be a good conversation um yes. but yeah i think i want to start off by asking you um kind of what your exposure was to korean culture personally maybe not the area that you grew up in but your personal experience or exposure to korean culture was it around you a lot growing up just in your immediate family yeah man um I would be lying if I said that I was exposed to it a lot. Um, you know, in Miami, Florida, I think I could literally count on one hand how many Koreans I came across. Like, if it wasn't like Korean church or like a specific um, Korean concentrated area. Um, a lot of my exposure to Korean culture came from the house, though. You know, like the foods that I eat, the mm. language that I heard. Um, I come from the background of Korean Americans that weren't pushed to learn the Korean language so I could assimilate more with American culture. And um, this is not something I'm making up, by the way. Like, this is something I spoke about with my parents. Just, I'm not (laughs) trying to throw them under the bus here, you know? (laughs) But, um, yeah, I think that answers my question. Does that, does that answer your question su- sufficiently? 
in it or i think so yeah yeah and I, maybe i got some follow-ups too so then um you know maybe you obviously have korean parents that um obviously is going to have some kind of inherent exposure to it just by them being your parents obviously mm-hmm. but maybe as a follow-up question so were you speaking the language at home very often very frequently yeah. was it taught at an early age nah dude so it was taught at an early age and i know like the alphabet and i know the vowels and i know how the language works but like my aptitude is hot garbage. I can listen to it and I can like piece together like here and there what the basic idea of the sentence is. But if you want to talk like philosophy or if you want to talk like in-depth stuff, it's like completely out of my league. Like, let's just say that the extent of my Korean is like, if I start reading, I will not be able to understand it because I am too focused on the characters trying to put it together. Sure. So, you know? Sure. Yeah. Sure. And so you're saying that that was... Um, an explicit plan on your parents' part to allow you to be able to be better assimilated living and growing up in Miami, right? Yeah, so I spoke to my mom about this, and it's interesting because I feel like within Miami, at least, because there are such few Korean Americans, um, she had this lens of, like, and I'm not saying this is right, by the way. This is something that I feel like my family still grapples with, but to be to maximize whatever ambitions you have in this country you must assimilate with the folks of this country as soon as possible and as as much as possible you know 20 years down the line though who are the folks that i am assimilating with who is to say that that will provide the type of success that was quote unquote destined when my parents made the decision for me not to be fully ingrained in korean culture you know so I feel like this is a question that many Korean Americans mm-hmm. uh, within the diaspora feel. But I don't know, Bennett, like, what about yourself? Like, this is why I wanted to do this, because mm-hmm. I want to know if you had a similar experience in Wisconsin and especially Madison, because as far as I know, there are many Koreans in Wisconsin, let alone Madison. You're right. No, you're totally right. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I think you could have guessed that, yeah, even if you weren't from here. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm sure we could talk about the area specifically uh, a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but my personal experience might be even less exposure than you. Um, okay. I'm, I'm half Korean. My mom immigrated here when she was pretty young. Mm-hmm. So she didn't immigrate here when she was an adult. She essentially grew up here for most of her life, I, you know, not even a teenager when she immigrated. Gotcha. Um, and... She had a similar experience to what you're describing, actually. It's kind of interesting to hear you talk about that stuff, about maybe not pushing the Korean culture as heavily on Mm. that first generation. Um, Because I know she has a similar experience where it wasn't necessarily spoken at home very often. Mm -hmm. Um, She struggles with speaking it, but can understand it. Mm. Um, And she feels like she's learning a lot of this stuff retroactively about the culture, because she wasn't really exposed to it as a kid. Copy, copy. Um, and it could be, I never really thought of it that way about trying to better yourself for trying to assimilate better. And it's funny, like my grandpa, my Hirabaji is like mm-hmm. the most patriotic person I've ever met. Like mm-hmm. he loves anything and everything about America. And he's like, he was the most patriotic person that you'll ever meet. And it's kind of interesting. Oh, wow. Um, but okay. personally speaking, so that what that means for me is yeah. that, you know, I didn't have any exposure to language. I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, And it becomes a weird 
kind of um, interplay for myself because not only was I one of very few Korean people um, in my area, I was flat out one of the very few Asian people in my area. So all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden (laughs) I become kind of the monolith for any and all Asian people. Yep, yep. So trying to find specifically like a Korean identity and all that, and especially grappling with being half, Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it becomes an interesting thing. Um, and then I don't want to turn it back on you, Kevin, but Not maybe always. I could ask like, um, so you, maybe you don't have, I mean, it sounds like you've got a better comprehension of language than I do. Um, is that That's something generous. that you were consciously aware of growing up that you wanted more of, or is that just kind of like, this is the way it is. I'm, I'm cool with how and how much exposure I have. Oh, something man. you sought more in maybe later in your life? Right. Uh, definitely later in my life. I think when I was growing up, um, listen, Miami is just full of like Hispanic folks, period. Right. Like yeah. you've got like Cubans, Puerto Ricans, uh, Colombians, Venezuelans, and Dominicans, not many Mexicans as mm-hmm. far as I know, but yeah, man, like when, when you are the poster boy, Asian, literally like <laughs> the only Asian in your grade, you know what it is? Yeah. Like, you don't you don't have the bandwidth or the capacity or the ability or opportunity even to really parse out what it means to be Asian, let alone uh, Korean. Yeah. Um, I went to growing up in Miami. I went to like a pretty posh middle school. That uh, looking back at now, currently their student body only holds like. Uh, don't quote me on this, but the student body is like primarily white, you know, like wow. well off, like middle, upper class white. And I feel like based upon just my physical appearance and based upon just being the poster boy, like the model minority myth was placed upon oh, yeah. me pretty dead on. Like, I don't know if your experience was similar in that sense, but yeah. Yeah, because that's interesting that you uh, had exposure to that. I don't know if it was a say, uh, the case for you in high school, too. But, mm. you know, I, I picture Miami as this huge, uh, very ethnically diverse area. Mm-hmm. And it is like a really interesting niche that you find yourself in is that yeah. it is a really diverse area, much more diverse than Wisconsin is. Mm. Um, and yet you're still kind of not out to dry, but you know what I mean? Like a little yeah, alienated just sure. based on physical appearance. For sure. But this is what I feel like I need to be grateful for. Like the minute I forget this, I forget like a very major component of my existence. Um, because everyone was Hispanic, but had different nationalities, like the parsing out and the nuances of like, how do I put this? The parsing out and nuances of like Hispanic culture, you know, because within Hispanic culture, there is South American culture and within South American culture, there is Venezuelan culture, right. there's Bolivian culture. And then that's different from Central American culture, you know, yeah. so because so many different individuals uh, came from different backgrounds, I may have been like the poster boy Asian, but there was a little more depth as I grew up, like appreciating differences, if you will. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Okay, cool. I don't know if you had a similar experience in Madison, because when I was in that middle school with 
um, predominantly upper middle class like white folks, I felt like I was not able to appreciate nuances within culture the same way I did when I was with Hispanic folks. I Does see. That make sense? Yeah. And so was that the case in high school too? High school. I don't know. High school was a little different because by high school, I had shed this whole idea that I am Asian, if that makes sense. Like, you have the model minority myth, and you have this perceived notion that people have of you, especially when you're, like, the only Asian person in a group. But yeah, by that point, like, I had been playing soccer with, like, mad Hispanic folks. I had, like, <laughs> gone out and socialized, you know? Like, I wasn't afraid of being, like, the butt end of jokes that you generally tend to get when you are the outsider quote-unquote yeah, yeah, you look yeah. like an outsider you know uh -huh. so high school could have been tough but and i'm not trying to like make myself some big ups here you know but like i didn't i like i stopped giving a fuck if you will you know I like see. people try to rib me and i took it with grace and the thing is like when it comes to bullying or microaggressions like if you don't pay attention generally they lose interest type of deal but I didn't really deal with much of that because I didn't mind, like, I didn't mind just playing jokes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those, these are something that I've, like, kind of tried to grasp with myself personally in hindsight. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is stuff that I've kind of realized all in hindsight, not in the moment. I think mm. you might have been more cognizant in the moment of uh, what you were doing. But I remember at the time when I was growing up in high school, it was, you know, like 90 five percent white people mm -hmm. um and i could probably like you were saying earlier, i could probably count on my hands the amount of not just koreans but asian people yeah yep. in my graduating class mm -hmm. um and it was an affluent area too actually the high school that i went to gotcha um and it is interesting because i, I didn't really feel like an outsider necessarily even though there's this huge separation physical appearance wise to everyone <laughs> else around you mm -hmm. um so you think of it as like kind of fondly because you're like, yeah, I didn't really feel any explicit um, ignorance sure. towards me. And especially my close friends, they had a good understanding of kind of what my deal was and everything. Yeah. But a lot of this stuff in hindsight, I'm thinking like, you know, you're talking about like ribbing and jokes and stuff too. Mm -hmm. I, I, I had like this epiphany a couple of years ago, Kevin, where I was uh -huh. like, I would make Asian jokes about myself. Because I knew that if I did it before anybody else did, then they couldn't do it to me. Yo, that's so real. That is and so then, real. I mean, like, I could save myself the hurt mm -hmm. if I make the self-deprecating comment first, then they can't have the power of doing it to me. Ain't that some shit? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I feel that on a spiritual level. So, like, is that something that you feel like you developed in middle school and high school? Or... For sure. Okay, okay. Was for middle sure. school more rough for you than high school? You'd say? I think, yeah, I think high school kids are a little bit more human beings. Uh, <laughs> they're a little yeah. bit more cognitively there. Yes. Um, so they're a little bit more aware of what they're doing, even if it's bad. Um, mm -hmm. Middle school is probably more brutal. I mean, yeah. not even creative stuff. You just hear the same stuff over and over again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then I realized like that didn't work because you would make these self-deprecating comments about like, Oh, how do you blind an Asian person? Uh, dental floss. That's yeah, how you dental blind floss, them. Right, of course. Right, right, right. You know that one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, okay. man. It's smash hit, bro. It's not a so it's not a regional <laughs> thing. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, but then I realized, like, 
that just gives them the green light to keep doing it. Mm. So if you do it to yourself, mm. then that everyone's like, well, he's doing it to himself, then I can do it, right? It's cool. That's real. And I wouldn't do this. This wouldn't happen with like close friends. They they understood that that was kind of ill-placed. Yeah. But it'd be like acquaintances, like not strangers. It'd be people that I would consider casual friends at school. Yeah. And they try to be, I mean, I can't really say it's well-intentioned, but they would go in trying to, like you said, rib with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. But then you kind of realize, like, well, what am I doing here? Like, mm-hmm. am I actually okay with this? Am mm-hmm. I just trying to fit in? Like, what, what's mm-hmm. going on here? And, bro, honestly, if you want to, like, if you want to roast me, like, roast me for, like, the test I got a B-minus on or something. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, or roast me for me trying to play footy. Like, get better material. Like, I don't know. Like, hearing these, hearing, like, microaggression jokes like the dental floss one or like even hearing the word gay as an insult i'm like yo this is like get better material it's like right. it's been so long at this point but i right. digress i digress yeah I think- the whole gay thing too i mean i might be dating myself here i was in high school around 2010 area hmm. and um yeah that was really big and i i can't say i'm like hooked in with the younger culture now who's in high school now but i don't think there's a lot of that anymore oh good good um, good 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 and yeah, even the area that I grew up in has become a little bit more diverse, too. Okay, um, okay. But um, it's just, yeah, it's it's a weird way to shape your identity because you want to be able to fit in with other people. Mm-hmm. And to other people's credit, they don't have exposure to Korean culture or Asian culture. Right, right, of right. Other kinds of Asian. They're not going to have exposure to it. So they're not going to know the politically correct ways to talk to you about this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but then you can't really default to be like, well, it's just kid stuff because like you and me both vividly remember this stuff. Mm-hmm, however mm-hmm. many years later, like it sticks with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I've kind of worn it at this point as like a badge of honor type of deal because, okay, let me, let me set the scene for you, bro. This sure. is, uh, this is middle school, like seventh or eighth grade. I had just seen the 2006 world cup Korea um, in my very, very amateur eyes, got unjustly eliminated from an offside goal against Switzerland. I still will oh. not forget this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Zero yeah, two. Yeah, man. We were at the yeah. top of the table to go to third at the end of the game. Shit was fucked. But <laughs> <laughs> I, after that, had grown a really strong interest in football. And because of that, I wanted to join the football team. Yeah. But if you are trying to play football in a predominantly Hispanic area, chances are you're going to get washed. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to play, they'll tell you. <laughs> they they will tell you. They yeah, will yeah. let you know. And you know, like I just wanted to play football, bro. Like I just wanted to be on the pitch. So I didn't mind starting as goalkeeper. I didn't mind like sucking shit up. I didn't mind eating shit. But God damn bro the things that i would hear on the pitch Mm. as i was trying to learn like like dude like i had that experience and then i went to college and i'm class of 2015 right so by my junior senior year this is when the social justice movement in this country was really 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 you know getting traction and in my mind the first thing I thought was like microaggressions, marginalization, like, oh, this is stuff that we can actually talk about. <laughs> you know what I mean? I should be laughing, but yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, like, you laughing tells me that you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Because yeah, definitely. The irony, not irony, but 
I feel like when you are in a community where you are seen as a sole representative of your race or ethnicity or what have you, you have to eat a lot of shit. It yeah. is inevitable. And there are some people that eat so much shit that they think they are shit. And then there are other people like you and I who retrospectively look back and be like, what the fuck? I ain't taking this shit no more. Yeah. You know? So, fuck, I forgot why I started this story. What was I So you were saying that you had all these hindsight memories of your upbringing mm-hmm. when you left college, right? Mm-hmm. And the more awareness of these microaggressions and the long-lasting effects they can have mm-hmm. on people. Yes, 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 yes. And I don't know, like, okay, I've gotten past that. Mo- let me take it back. <laughs> let, me take, let me bring it back. So, take your time. Yeah, man. Um, I don't know. I think just the fact that we've had to put up with these microaggressions, but we're still, like, functioning members of society. We are not creeps. We are not incels. We are not like harboring rage because of the way that people spoke or treated to us. Like, I feel like 20 odd years down the road, this gives us an advantage because like we are steeled to put up with rubbish and now we are prepared to actually like fight back, if you will, you know, or push back or be like, nah, this is rubbish or nah, I'm not having this, you know? Yeah, it definitely feels like um, there's more of a microphone for people to be able to voice these kinds of concerns now. Mm -hmm. Um, And personally speaking, I don't want to feel like I'm bemoaning my upbringing as being awful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like for all intents and purposes, I had a very lucky and privileged upbringing. No doubt. Um, There's a lot of people that have it much worse. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that shouldn't like diminish the things that you experienced, Kevin, as a kid about trying to fit in in an area where you didn't see a lot of people that look like you. Um, And I actually found the kind of stuff to go back, like you said, you were bringing up football Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like um, trial by fire, it sounded like. But um, I actually found that to not be as aggravating. Uh, I've always thought of sports as being kind of the great equalizer. Uh, Um, Yes. And, you know, I would experience stuff like that, too. Um, I played soccer at not any high level or anything, but I did play as a kid, Yeah. Um, among other things. Um, and you would hear things every once in a while, but I almost thought of that as more of a competitive thing rather than necessarily an attack on your character. Mm. So, I mean, th- there is a line, obviously, that you can cross. But I think in the context of sports, I always found that, um, you know, there there is – unnecessary context and it is a competition and that there will right. be stuff in the heat in the moment. No, you're absolutely right. I think I, I was actually thinking of this one game in particular, right? When you said that, because bottom line sports is competition and competition recognizes quality, right? Sure. Like I was a goalkeeper. I was second string, but the goalkeeper ahead of me had such shit grades that he couldn't go to an away game. So I had to start <laughs> and I was, I was a scrub at this point, right? Like I played yeah. for middle school, junior varsity. Like that's a, that's a very nice way of saying your B team at best. You know what I mean? But so because of that, the coach told me on our one hour drive to the away game, like Kim, you're starting in goal. Okay. Yeah, sure. No problem. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but the game goes on, and I had a worldie that day, bro. I'm not even going to play. Oh, it may yeah. have been like 15 years ago, but I had a fucking worldie. Or not 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Brody, yeah. man, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The game ended 1-0, bro. We scored, like, in the fourth minute. And on a clean that, sheet. Oh, come on, son. And the entire <laughs> game was played on our half, bro. Like, it was after that moment, even if I was, like, that diminutive Asian kid, even if I was that kid who just, like, took the jokes with a smile and, like, didn't report anything, like, even I recognize that at that moment, no, I'm a player now. Like, yeah. I am going to be starting. Yeah, I yeah. demand and deserve respect. And sure enough, I did get it, you know? So I love that story. And that's like a great way to not validate yourself, but I kind of mean validate yourself. Mm, mm. Um, and I think that's what's awesome about sports in general is that you can do that. Yeah. And maybe in other avenues, like at school, you don't really have an avenue to be like, I got a really good grade in my math class. So all those Asian jokes you made don't mean anything anymore. Right. I so, wish it was that easy, bro. <laughs> I know. I know. And then even if you did, okay. And just and for the sake of that hypothetical situation, you do go well on your math test. You'd be like, well, you're Asian. You can't do well on math. You should be doing good. So even yeah. in that context. Right. Right. Um, no, that, that's an awesome story. And I, I, you know, eventually we'll get towards the Korean national team here too. But um, I wanted to maybe dig a little bit further on like maybe because i'm really interested about you growing up in because you live in brooklyn and you lived mm -hmm. in and grew up in miami like those are two big cities at least for somebody from me who's in the midwest from madison that's your most of my life not the biggest city in the world um i've always equated like big cities there must be a lot of asian people there there must be a lot of korean people there mm. um mm. and so the fact that you're in like these big areas um and you still don't see any korean people is kind of like unfathomable to me because mm. like my my extended family all lives in um california and all my korean relatives either live in korea or they live in san francisco gotcha. so i go to san francisco and i see all these asian people i'm like wow this is what all the big cities must be like they, they uh -huh. look at all these asian people here uh -huh. they all, all these people that look like me this is crazy um yeah. yeah and so if you say miami i'm like thinking miami must be a hugely diverse city and it is but then um you go then there's not a lot of korean people is that that's something right. that you were aware of growing up that it was a big city and there still weren't any korean people actually no man like i kind of just okay i kind of just accepted that that was the reality because sure. i was in miami literally from like the moment i could keep my consciousness till high school and then after high school i went to college in upstate new york Mm. small liberal arts college and besides uh the chinese foreign exchange students there weren't many asians there either so swap out the majority populace of hispanics to white folks and that was basically where that's basically what the student body population looked like at college you know what oh, I mean? so it was similar it was similar just uh swap out the majority of yeah, yeah. Uh, ethnic folks yeah right so because I have been in that environment for like 20 odd years, now it's almost like when I go into a predominantly Korean or Asian uh, crowd or city or what have you, I'm just like, this is unusual to me. This is new to me. This is That's different. interesting. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, so you say you have family in SF on the West Coast. Yep. And when you go visit them, because they're family and you're in that community, I'm assuming that things feel totally fine, natural. Um, that's interesting because I would only see them annually or biannually. So it wasn't like I was seeing uh, them every couple months. Sure. And 
the reason why I kind of responded with interesting just now to what you were saying is because I feel very similarly because mm-hmm. I go into these Asian neighborhoods and you kind of grow up around white people or non-Korean people and you're like, man, I just wish I could be somewhere mm. where there are more people that look like me. Mm. And you go somewhere people look like you and you're like, I don't really fit in here. Like, you're like, oh yeah, you're I, like, here we go, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if I fit in here either because mm-hmm. like, I don't really feel um, Korean. I don't speak the language. And if you put That's me next to one, another yeah. Korean person from Seoul or something, um, obviously there'd be similarities, but there'd be a lot more differences between the two of us. Mm-hmm. So it's like a weird thing of, and I think this is kind of like my whole thesis for this podcast is that like, mm-hmm. I go to these areas where there's condensed populations of Koreans and I don't know if I necessarily feel like I fit in there either. Yeah. And then there's like this, especially I think, I don't know if it's just Koreans in in general, but there is kind of like this inherent pridefulness of being able to be as Korean as possible. And I go into these areas and I don't feel like I'm Korean enough. Mm, Yes. Yes. And then, so I'm like, well, maybe my identity is more lined up with, um, the quote-unquote white culture in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm. But then you're the token Jackie Chan Asian guy there. So it seems like one extreme or the other, right? Like right. you're trying to figure out what that marriage is between the two. Exactly. Hmm. <laughs> and I didn't have a follow-up to that. I'm just kind of airing my grievances here. No, um, no. I think this is good because I actually wanted to know how your upbringing basically affected your identity, right? And yeah. that sort of answers the question because it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, I'm going to stick with the Koreans, but I can't speak the language, so I don't feel like them. So I'm going to stick with what I do know, but I get a lot of butt end of the jokes and I'm a token individual. Oh, so my God. It, you know, I, I get that, bro. I get that. <laughs> That's hitting me, man. Yo, the, Kevin, real- just hit me. Yeah. <laughs> the question <laughs> is, mate, what, what does that mean for us? What do you think that means for us? There's got to be an, I think there's got to be an acceptance that um, you can grasp onto Korean as part of your identity, but it can't be the whole picture of who you are. Hmm. And there needs to be a little bit more nuance. Hmm. Um, But it is a thing that I've struggled with even now where like I'll put out stuff like on Twitter or something, I'll tweet about something in Korea or something. And I'll be like, am I really a legitimate voice to speak on Korean things? Because I've only been there once. I don't speak mm-hmm. the language. I'm half mm-hmm. Korean. I don't know if I'm a legitimate voice in this conversation or not. Of course you are, bro. Even if you're half Korean, you are Korean, period. Like, oh, that's, that's nice. A, mate, that's another thing, man. We might be diaspora Koreans, but the word Korean still comes after diaspora. You understand? Like, sure. I will never have any other Korean tell me that my experience is any less Korean because it's not as conventional. That is, that's just beautiful. That's, that's well said. But you know what I mean, bro? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I, not having it. <laughs> that's, no, that makes me feel a lot better. Um, Hell yeah, bro. And... Maybe, I mean, I don't mean to go back to your parents, too. So then now that you've gotten older and stuff, and maybe you have more hindsight on your side about the exposure to it Mm -hmm. when you were a kid, Mm -hmm. um, maybe post-college, have you found yourself seeking that kind of stuff about the culture more now than you were when you were a kid? Is that something you've talked to your parents about? Or something that you're, like, at peace with, where you don't feel like you got to seek it out? Like, where Um, do you land? No, I definitely want to seek it out, bro. If anything, I have been way more aggressive 
to learn more about my Korean identity now than I ever was before in my life. Um, I think that's why Korean football also resonates with me because, oh, yeah. it, you know, it wasn't even a catalyst. It was something I was interested in before I even cared about my own identity. So there's something very, very legitimate there, you know, to the point of tangible. But I digress. Um, your question was about my parents and how they see me now that I'm out of college, question mark, or... Or maybe, like, um, have you had conversations with them? Like, hey, mom and yeah. dad, um, why didn't you push Korean culture on me more? Or, um, yeah. you know, do you do you think I should be seeking this kind of stuff out more? Is it important to you that I know about this stuff? So I I have to say, shout out to mom and pop, because I shout am... Out. <laughs> shout outs, indeed. Um, I'm incredibly grateful to them, because... When I was in college, I, like, dude, listen, like, I graduated from a liberal arts college mm -hmm. without the number three in my GPA, and I majored as a philosophy major. You know what I mean? Like, I love it. Shit was fucked for me from the jump, you understand? <laughs> like, I went to go teach afterwards, but I realized that the charter school system was fundamentally broken. So mm. I needed to, like, soul search and figure out what I wanted to do. And this included me working at like the front of house at a at a pizza shop or like literally squatting with a Chinese family in the Lower East Side because that was cheap rent. And yeah. I, I have to be grateful to my parents because like they have given me the space to like really discover who I am and what I want to do versus the quintessential like this is what you got to do. This is oh, what you yeah. have to do, you know? Like, yeah. they tried that in middle school and high school, but it was, like, pulling teeth, so they just, like, gave up on that. And honestly, it could not have gone any better because them giving me the freedom to really become who I want to be has led yeah. me to organically gravitate towards, okay, what does it mean to be Korean? And that's why I speak to my parents and, like, yo, why didn't, why didn't you, like pounds hungul into me because y'all loved beating anything into me when yeah, i was a yeah, kid yeah. you know and that's when i got the answer about like ease of assimilation into american culture um and yeah like it's it's just a it's just a conversation now between my parents and me when it comes to my korean identity i'm a first generation american and before now it was all about uh, just assimilating into this country. Yeah. But now that this country is going tits up, I have <laughs> recognized within myself that I need to learn more about my roots because there are many a time when even if I'm around my friends, even if I'm in the most comfortable environment, I still feel something aching or something empty or something. Oh, I know what you're talking I'm, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah words so yeah what what's what's it like with you and your parents and your relationship with them and like how has that also had an influence into you gravitating towards korean culture and you trying to learn more about the motherland or something yeah no that's that's a very good question and i don't want to put words in your parents mouth before i answer the question hmm. um maybe they didn't give up maybe they just allowed you the space to be able to like you said i think you're right. like come back around to it yeah so not to maybe give your parents some credit there yeah, um, 100%. It's, yeah, it's weird. I think my experience is almost like a generation removed from you because mm. um, my mom had a similar thing where 
she and her parents had this weird thing where it wasn't pushed on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now, similar to you, I mean, and then now in kind of my generation, I think I'm still technically first generation and my mom's an immigrant, but um, mm. yeah. Anyway, like, like you said, I, I digress. Um, but <laughs> it was something that I definitely sought out when I left for college. Um, and I'm sure. actually classes, class of 2016. So we're, we're aligned here pretty well. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. What are the chances? <laughs> um, and it is something that I sought out in college. Um, and, you know, I remember my freshman year, I took Korean, a Korean language class. Um, oh, just like all- have Korean language classes? UW-Madison, shout out. Yeah, yep. Dang, respect. Okay, okay. And so I took that my freshman year, and I thought it was, I I mean, I was terrible at it. I'm still terrible at it. Um, But it was so interesting to learn about all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And our teachers would show us, like, famous Korean movies that come out recently, too. And it, like, opened up this door to me. And I was like, this is a whole part of... um, Maybe not my identity at that time, but maybe now it is. Mm. Um, and it was really thought-provoking. Like you said, soccer was another way that I was getting into um, a lens into the Korean culture, too, by finding mm. Korean soccer players. Mm. Um, and I also was a history major in college, so I took a lot of Korean history classes. And that was really thought-provoking for me to learn about all that stuff. Um, that must have been incredible. Yeah, yeah. And I vividly remember when I was going to a, a graduation ceremony, um, a Korean history professor member came up to me and like, it wasn't anything super in depth. It was like, hey, congratulations, Bennett. Um, and just that small little thing from him meant like a lot to me. And it, it kind of speak to the impact those classes had on me. Yeah. Um, and I think that was the age that I kind of wanted to really seek it out was in the context of, of school where I could get kind of more of a formal education on it because I wasn't getting exposed to it growing up in Madison, Wisconsin, otherwise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, so I have a question. Like when you yeah. saw that these classes were just like, they're available, um, mm-hmm. were you just like, fuck it, why not? Or was there another like more conscientious thinking that motivated you to dedicate classes and hours and time into like korean oriented classwork maybe a little bit of both um i was doing some soul searching about what kind of major i wanted to do history is something that always i thought was a little bit easier for me to get good grades on so that was honestly the main motivation to do it that's real that's real um but i wouldn't say i just chose korean history classes just because it fit the curriculum that i needed or my prerequisites um there's a lot of other history classes you could take sure um and, 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 you know, credit to uh, University of Wisconsin for offering a variety of different Korean history classes. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so I was able to take multiple history classes on it. And I think I had to answer your question. I think I did seek it out. I wanted to learn more about it. Um, and I'm glad I did because I did learn a lot. Um, and, yeah, I mean, maybe we could transition to um, this. I, I did a cold turn here. I, was, I thought oh, I had a fine. better ch- had a better transition in my head but i want to talk about the national team because that is part of the way that i think we both have shaped um our korean identities um, oh, yeah. you mentioned the 06 world cup that okay. that was a little bit before me i was aware of it at the time mm-hmm. um but i know you are a manchester united supporter right correct and you are a spud supporter Tana? correct yeah see see Yeesh, what i'm saying with like, so 
I think a conversation about the national team has to begin because of your United supporter, mm-hmm. Park Ji Sung. Of course, bro. Of course. It's not even it's an open secret at this point. What does he what does he mean to you? I did not even know how much representation matters until Park Ji Sung left to QPR and United became shit. Let's be frank, right? <laughs> like, dude, I mean, what what did he mean to me? That was your question, right? Correct. Yeah, like, he, he was, like, sort of the reason why, even though I was getting a drubbing from all the jits in school as I was learning to play footy, he was the reason why I'm like, that's fine. Like, this man's still playing. Look at this guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. look at this guy. Literally, that's it. Look at this guy. Sometimes it really is that simple. And, like, he was a legitimate baller. That's the best part, right? It's not like some uh, token character that we're going to fill in. Mind you, the climate against Pak Chisung, like, around 2007, 2008 was kind of rough because this is before he cemented his reputation as a big-game player. He had yeah. that banged yeah. up knee, but... Uh, Sir Alex always protected him by not playing him in many games. Mm. But that translated over to the populace as he's not good enough. You know, and it was only after like that Champions League run where United won the Champions League. It was after his big goals against well, he always kills. He always kills Arsenal. Always the big games. Oh yeah, always. Yeah, Arsenal specifically. Arsenal yeah, yeah. spanked up Arsenal whenever he played against them. Shout out, Michael. Che- che- yeah, right. Big shout out. <laughs> <laughs> and then Chelsea. There was that Champions League goal that he scored at Old Trafford to seal the quarterfinal and to get us in the semis. Um, there was that goal against Liverpool in front of the Stratford at Old Trafford. And then oh, yeah. my personal favorite was. The game-winning goal against Wolves. Mind you, he scored a brace that day, but it's game-winning goal, and he's one of the elite players that have cemented Fergie time. You know what I mean? So, he means... Bro, he means a lot. <laughs> like, I don't know if you can tell, but he means a lot. And he's then, an icon. He's an icon. And yeah, I think... I'm, I'm glad that you kind of integrated Sir Alex into that because I think he was so good at being a man-manager that... I don't, I don't want to say Park still wouldn't have been successful without Sir Alex, but uh, the charisma and the personality of Sir Alex was, like, perfect yes. for Park Ji-sung, I think. Yeah. And, and it allowed him, like you said, he could protect him. Yes, exactly. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's a watershed moment. I, I know of Lee Young-po at Tottenham yes. in yes. the early 2000s, but there really wasn't a lot of Koreans in England. Um no, I mean you had decent, you had Koreans in England, but they all sucked shit. Besides, yeah, Lee yeah. Park Ji Sung, Ki Sung Young, and Lee Chong Young. Yeah, and then even Ki was in was in Celtic, even Scotland for a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he wasn't even in the Premier League. So Park, it just seems like he is like just such a pioneer to me. Um, mm. And that would be enough by itself. But the fact that he was this world-class player on his day, playing in Champions League finals. Correct. Kind of icing on the cake. Um, Correct. 
I remember more vividly the 2010 World Cup too. I wish I was following footy for the O2 World Cup. That would have been a really cool experience. That would have been nuts, yeah. <laughs> or the park goal too. Yes. Um, but I, the park goal that I remember more is more of an insignificant one, but it was um, first Greece at the World Cup in South Africa. At oh, the that later. is not that, insignificant, mate. <laughs> good, good. And that was his, I think that was his last World Cup. Um, yes. And that was kind of like when I was starting to get more in the sports, it was around that age. So um, I'm not going to act like I'm an, o- an OG with this kind of stuff, but no, um, fine, yeah, Park is such an influential player. Um, and you could talk for hours on him and, you know, he's kind of in and around United still. He's like an ambassador there now still right. too. So he's in and around the game. That's right. Um, are there any other players in the past that stand out to you when you were getting into um, the national team that you really yeah. kind of gravitated to? Yeah. 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 Big shout outs to each um he he's he's the blonde i don't know if you saw like 06 clip but there's the blonde striker that we had and he was like crying on the pitch after the game against switzerland but i gravitated towards him a lot because he was like a really dynamic forward and i had no idea why he was not in europe he did end up going to feyenoord um in the netherlands but he didn't really perform there. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's so many. There's a, he there's kind of had like a blonde things. mullet, right? It was like yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. a mullet. Yeah, yeah. It looked like a porcupine from the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I know what you're talking character. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the legends for me, or a lot of the characters that resonated with me came from like the 2010 era. Like, Same. Yeah. Seeing Korea qualify into the round of 16 was unbelievable. Euphoric. Yeah. yeah. Dude, even the game we played against Uruguay, like, what a game. Like, that was a, that was one of the very few Korea losses where, like, I was upset because we lost, but I couldn't grill anyone. Like, everyone played well that tournament. Besides yeah. Chung Sung-young. I hated that goalkeeper. Chung Sung-young. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't the best. Yeah, and then Uruguay team, Suarez and Forlan were on another Come one on, that tournament mate. too. Come on, mate. If we lose yeah. to if we lose to a worldy far post curler by Luis Suarez, then fair well, game. You know, fair, fair play. play. Fair play, fair play. Yeah, you clap your hands. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, mean yeah. wait, so how about you? So you said you started watching the national team around 2010. Like who were the characters that stuck with you? Well, I mean, there's a lot of guys in that team that I, I really like. I mean, Lee Young Po was still around at that time still. Um, you had already mentioned Ki Sung Young, yes. who was kind of coming into his own at that time. Park was still on the team. That's right. Um, I'm going to hate to say this. I hope Albert and Michael appreciate it, but Park Chu Young was somebody that I really, really like watching. Really? Um, That's and That's he always seemed to score goals, even if he wasn't maybe the most influential in matches. Um and I always remembered his goal celebration where he would do like the cross hand prayer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This the thing. really aggressive prayer thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like dropped to his knees most of the time too. Mm-hmm. That celebration is like ingrained in my memory um, from those days too. Um, maybe my favorite though from that time period, um, I want to say he was still on the World Cup squad in 2010. I don't think he played much, but Chadu Ri. Yes. Um, Good shout. Great shout. Great I shout. Love, I love me some Chadu Ri, especially because he was able to play most of his career in Europe. That's um, right. He didn't, he only went to FC Seoul at the end of his career. That's right. Um, and he kind of followed in his dad's footsteps, which speaking of another legend, uh, yeah. 
Chamboom Kun, probably yep. butchering the pronunciation. baby! Class. Just Leverkusen, Frankfurt, Bundesliga legend from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that background that Chaudhuri has of him being his father. Yo, fun um, fact, did you know that Chaudhuri started his career as a striker, but only uh, converted to a right back a couple of years before the 2010 World Cup? No way, I don't believe that. Yo, I, I swear to you, bro, look it up, look it up. He, he was um, a university player in 2002 when Gus Hiddink pulled him into the final roster. To Gus Hiddink, oh my yeah. god, yeah. yeah. Shout out to Gus, shout out. <laughs> and um, dude, Chaturi would have been a freaking urban legend if he scored an, this overhead kick attempt against Italy during uh, Golden Goal extra time. But oh yeah. my god, they still he had Golden Goal back then too, yeah. Right? Right, but yeah, he started as a striker, um, and then he gradually progressed back to right back. I don't think okay. it was gradually. I think it was like um, one of his club coaches just like put him at right back, and <laughs> thought he was better at that. So that's hilarious, right? It's crazy. Um, well, I mean, it speaks to his malleability then too. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and I remember I, I I mentioned those trips to my grandparents in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, I shaved my head one summer, which is not a good look for me, but dead. I went over there and she's like, oh, you look like Chaudhuri. <laughs> <laughs> and I was what? like, that's like the nicest thing you've said in a long time to me. <laughs> um, I love that. I love that. <laughs> and maybe that's a superficial way to kind of attach myself to him. But um, Yo, we take those, though. Proper I have to. That. I have yeah. to. Um, and then I remember his last... Um, international appearance against new zealand and he came off and they had this whole ceremony and he was crying and stuff and his dad was in the locker room with them mm. um that sticks out of my my memory for him too true um, true, true true can i throw out a name to you kevin yeah it's a total please. hipster random pick here go on then but suk hunjun oh yeah suk hunjun i don't know why but i always really liked him even though he's kind of crap yeah um, yeah and I he mean- was the reason why I liked him so much is that he started out in the famous IX Academy of all places. Nate, and... was... <clears throat> go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I mean to cut you off. Oh no, I would say I don't think he even started in the IX Academy. I think he started as like in the B team. And what had happened was that he was working for the club in some shape or form. And then he asked, I believe it was Martin Yol, who, fun fact, was the manager at Spuds when Lee Young Pyo was there. Right, he was like the beginning of like the new age Spurs was Martin Joel. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's good to know. That's good to know. But yeah, dude, Sukhan Jun just asked for a trial. Martin Joel gave it to him, and uh, he managed to pass, get a number on the back of his name. I mean, get a number on the back of his shirt, number thirty nine, Suk. And every single time he came on the pitch, like the Ajax fans loved him because who doesn't love a story about a dude being like, "Yo, let me try out for a freaking Ajax." And then actually play for the club, bro. I like, didn't understand uh, his, like, just showing up the tryout element of this. I had no idea. That's balls, um, bro. That's balls. And he's hilarious because he kind of had a cult following um, in Ajax. I remember I had a college buddy who was a diehard Ajax fan from Amsterdam. And he's like, he knew all about him. He's like, yeah, the, no the Ajax fans love him. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you find out I was Korean, he, he told me that. Yo, um, oh, that's what I'm talking about. I love that. And, you know, anticipation of this um, conversation, I was looking up some of his Ajax appearances, mm-hmm. and he was, like, coming on in the Europa League against Juventus, and this Ajax team had, like, Vertonghen, Alderweireld, yep. Luis Suarez. Yep, yep. Like, a really young Christian Eriksen. Yep. Um, Stecklenburg in goal. The team like, was good, man. The team was good. That was an awesome team. And he <laughs> and just here's 
Sook coming on for like a cameo of 20 minutes. Exactly. And I remember he got like an IX tattoo on his forearm. Yeah. So he's like really right. inked up. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, Dude, I feel like when I see Sook Hyun-jun, I got so much love for him because just like his physical presence, yeah. it reminds you of like a diasporic Korean. I know. Yeah. I and he's been in like six different countries. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been, and he's still in Europe, which I really, really, really respect. There's actually totally. a short that I need to send you. It's only like 50 seconds long, but Suk Hyun-jun is like evaluating his time in Europe. And Interesting. He, he identifies the fact that he is living a dream. You know, like it is easier to maybe make money in West Asia, but he's out here living the dream. Trying to that. become your that's what I'm talking about, you know what I mean? And this is what gets me so worked up with the KFA right now because how are you gonna have a player like Kim Shin Woo constantly called up but Ugh. no love for Suk Hyunjun? I know. I don't get it. I know. I don't get it. Thankfully we moved on to uh Hwang Yu Jo. Am I saying his name right? Hwang Yu Jo, yeah. At yeah, Bordeaux. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um thankfully we moved on to him, but um yeah, or or lead on Gook too. I didn't really understand that either. Um, oh, you don't mate. I got no love for him. I'm sorry. I yeah, he was tough to watch. Um, Dude, he was. Have you, did you did you know about his uh, little stint in um, Middlesbrough? No, enlighten me, please. So he is a Korean export that went to Middlesbrough, and everyone recognized his quality because he was tearing it up in Asia. He was tearing it up for the national team, and he's huge. And he's huge. And he's got technique, but he tore something that got him to miss the 2006 World Cup. So think oh. like Kwon Chang Hoon's uh, situation, except Lee Dong Guk is like the registered business of Asia. You know I see. I, mean? I see. Yeah. So he goes to Middlesbrough. Gary Southgate is there at the time, and he backs he backs Lee Dong Guk in ways that I have never seen a Korean player back before. You know, like Park Ji Sung when Sir Alex Ferguson would talk about Park Ji Sung. He'd either give some compliments or he'd shut up. If Park Ji-sung had a bad game, he wouldn't say anything. Sure. Gary Southgate, if Lee Dong-guk was having a bad game, whatever the hell, like, he'd be like, no, we see his quality in training, yada, yada, yada. But Lee Dong-guk, I, I don't forget how many seasons he's been in there because I repressed his memory in the Prem from my <laughs> consciousness. But dude only scored, like, three goals in one season. And oh one was God. against a League 2 team, like... Bramford FC or something like that. Sure, maybe. sure, sure. You know, so there's that. And, like, I get it. You may not be able to perform well in the Prem. That shit happens. It's but yeah, yeah. you can't be arrogant on top of underperforming outside of Korea. You know yeah. what I mean? So... Like to put to put a ribbon on it, too. I, like, when you were saying about Suk just being grateful for the opportunity to grind in Europe... Like, that makes it so much more likable to me, then. That's what I'm talking about. That's that mentality I'm talking about. I don't, like, whatever, whatever. Lee Dong-guk is, like, 40. He's a K-League legend. I don't want to dance. I don't want to spoil his reputation or whatever. Like You can spoil it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> proper footballer. Just not for me. You sure. Know? And we'll leave um, it. Any other players that stand out to you that have, like, a formative, or maybe current players that you really like, maybe? Maybe you could do a more current squad outlook. Any before, guys that stand out to you? Before I get into the currents, I have to give a shout out to Lee Chung Young at Ulsan right now. Bro, I I loved that kid. I loved that kid so much. From, Speaking like, of a kid who actually did it in England. 
hello hello yo oh, my god after after his first two seasons i was convinced that he was going to go to like a top top club like he he's the type of winger where like you don't look at his numbers you look at his play because he made something out of nothing sometimes it looked like he had eight feet at once and he would always always dribble forward he would always go at the defender i don't care if it was for bolton or for korea but that's how he played and i loved him for it like he he is the player that broke the ceiling for kwan chang hoon ej sung any midfielder that went directly from the k league into europe because Lee Chung Young did that first, and he tore it up. So I got and, mad he, love for him. and he had to do it directly from FC Seoul, I think. That's like right. he had to make the the leap to the Premier League from That's FC right. Seoul. That's right. That is so difficult old. to do. Yeah, at twenty one um, years old, mate. No, I didn't realize he was that young when he moved. Mm. Bro, that's why Koreans wanted to kill Tom Miller for breaking his leg at that preseason, bro. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he was like 24, 25, fresh off of a World Cup where he scored two goals, mind. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, and that's why I will never slander Lee Chung Young. He may have had a tough time at Crystal Palace. He may have had a tough time trying to move out of Bolton before Crystal Palace. He may have been the second Bundesliga. He may have even tapered off for the national team. But if anyone badmouths Lee Chung Young, I'm sorry, you got no idea what you want about. Oh my God. No clue, no clue, no clue. Preach, Kevin, preach. I, <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't really like the way he was handled at Palace either. Like, I don't think it was all his fault. He had trouble with fitness issues there too, and yeah. I think unrightfully kind of got ostracized. Um, yeah, He's it was cool fit. to see him at Ulsan versus uh, Key at FC Seoul the other day. That was a pretty cool retro oh, yeah. throwback. I had to see the highlights just to see them dap at the end because I got nothing but love for them. That's so cool. Yeah, maybe, I mean, Ulsan, I think they might win the K-League this year. So maybe he'll cap it off with um, a K-League title before he retires. I would love to see that. I, um, I want any good things to come to Lee Chong Young's way. I really but, like that shout-out, actually. I'm glad that you um, dedicated some time for him. I, absolutely. He kind of went over my head. Um, but yeah, as a follow-up, any current guys then, Kevin? Any current guys. Kim Min Jae, if he leaves, oh. if he leaves, I need, I need, I need a center back in Europe. Hong, I, I thought Hong Jong Ho was the business, especially at Augsburg, but nope. Yeah. Um, Chang Hoon, he's one of the more dynamic wingers that I've seen, but I don't know what he's like now. Um, yeah, I don't know what Huang he's like Chan. now either. Yeah. Shout out to Huang Yichan, who really. Uh, stepped up his game is got now, his move yeah. yeah got his move like yeah yeah and then and then your boy now Sun Ung Min bro of course like oh my god I've always got one eye on him ever since he was a U18 at Hamburg bro like man's got the technique and it seems like I don't know like now that we're on this topic actually I would love to know how you got involved with Spuds how you see Sun Ung Min as a national player mm. and as a spuds player yeah um i adamantly say this that i didn't start following spurs because of son word, um, word. my support predates him and it's actually from an american perspective they had brad friedel mm -hmm. um, and clint dempsey who was like right. my favorite american player oh, um, word. and then i knew jurgen klinsman was uh, a spurs legend and he was still the manager of the american national team so that was kind of the genesis of my Spurs fandom. Gotcha. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I also remember Son when he was repping 40 at Hamburg and banging in Curlers for Storman. Like, I remember Correct. that. Correct. Um, <laughs> respect. Respect. And <laughs> just this sprightly little kid with the really bad haircut. I, I remember that kid. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. And then I knew he was dynamite at Leverkusen. Uh-huh. And and I know the transfer rumors with Spurs. I, I vividly remember it happening pretty quickly. Like we were linked with him one day, and then a week later he was in London. Mm. Um, and to, how do I feel about him now? Um, he might be my favorite athlete ever, and I'm oh, not. Word. I'm not saying that as hyperbole. Like he legitimately is somebody that um, I just love everything that he's about. Um, and I know we were talking earlier to maybe like bring this full circle about stereotypes, um, you know, ethnic roles um, in areas where you don't see a lot of people like you and a way you're supposed to act, the model minority. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Park was unfairly labeled like this where he was, not that he wasn't this, but he was labeled as being hardworking, put your head down, he's not gonna put up a fuss, good manners, you know, your model minority player, right? That's valid. That's um, valid. And Son, in contrast to that, he's like the class clown at Spurs. He's the guy that is always joking with everybody, pulling pranks on people. Yeah. Um, very extroverted. But then he still has those qualities of being hardworking. And when you bring up his fandom in Korea, he's very humble and bashful about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe just uh, against the grain a little bit of being that person that's a little bit more outgoing is very refreshing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And as far as the national team goes... Um, you know, I think Bento hasn't really found the best place for him necessarily. Um, but, you know, he's captain of the national team, rightfully so. Um, I think he'll he'll have at least one more World Cup. Maybe yes. he could do one when he's like, I think if we're timing this out, he'd be 34 in 2026. 20, really? 34? He's 28 right now. Oh God, is my math? So 2022, he'd be 30 for Qatar. You're right. You're right. So he'd be around 34. So maybe he's got two more World Cups in him. Um, I can see it. I can actually see it. Yeah. So maybe he's got two more World Cups left in him, and um, yeah, he's a legend. He's my my favorite player, my favorite athlete. True. Um, and I just really like what what he's, what he's about and what he stands for, for sure. True. True. I mean, okay, wait. So. How did you initially get involved with the national team? You said it was just a 2010 World Cup? I think so. Because there's like, there's an element, a variable here where, like, I didn't have exposure. Uh-huh. Um, so World Cups were kind of my exposure. I do remember that Switzerland match in 06. I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it's funny. I had, like, this... Uh, the branded FIFA World Cup PS2 game on my PlayStation that I used to play all the time. Yeah. And I used to put Park Two Song at Striker and kill it with him. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, probably 2010, I was I was definitely more aware of the players and the names. Um, maybe 06, I didn't really know who anybody was. Sure. Um, but what made you stick with uh, Korean football after 2010? Because there's so many people that just watch a World Cup, forget true. about football, and then come back every four years. True. I think it it was a hand-in-hand with getting more interested in European football. Um, And I, you know, I think representation uh, does matter in in certain contexts and to see people that look like you, Um, especially when you watch American sports, there aren't really any Koreans anywhere. That's real. Um, 
And so to see people that look like me, like Center Park, um, playing at a really high level in a really popular sport, um, that's what's kind of motivated me to want to seek these guys out. And I'd I be like, look at these guys that like look like me, and they're playing in the Netherlands, they're playing in England, they're playing in Germany. That's so cool. Top level, yeah. Um, so that was probably the motivation. But yeah, I think 2010 is probably my range of like my genesis of following the team, I think. Gotcha, gotcha. And your heroes then were the classics, the European exports, Lee Young-kyo, Chaduri, Park Ji-sung. Would you say Ki Sung-young and Lee Chung-young are also like the lads for you? Or do they just like... <laughs> the lads. You know what I mean? Like, I, I love, love that. those dudes, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of generic. I wish I was a little bit more hipster with these picks, but... Um, no, you're good, bro. You're yeah, Ki Sung-young. I mean, that's, that's definitely a shout out. Um, yes. I especially really liked him at Celtic. I thought he was yeah. super enjoyable at Celtic. Um, he's a little bit more mobile back then yeah. when he was still he playing. He was way for more involved in the final third back then. Yes, in Celtic. yes. He wasn't that as was much of a dude. six back then. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And he had the bangers. Oh, well. my God, yes. He would pull them out every once in a while. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's great. Uh, and he, for all intents and purposes, off the field seems like a really well-centered um, good head on his shoulders kind of guy. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And he also had a really respectable run in the Premier League too. Um, similar to Lee Chung Young. Maybe uh, Lee Chung Young had more kind of electrifying moments, but um, he was just really solid. And um, yeah, I I probably should have shouted him out earlier more, but yeah, def- he's definitely he's definitely part of the foundation for sure. True. Oh, dude, what about Kuja Chol? Because he definitely deserves some love, and I feel bad that I forgot about him, and I just thought of him. So I was wondering if you had any particular instances with Kuja Chol. Um. Yeah, maybe not as as vivid memories or maybe Word. burning passion. Um, Dude, I feel so bad for the lad, man, because <laughs> no. he 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 tore it up like as a 19-year-old with Jidong won in the Asian Cup 2011, right after the World Cup. Yeah, Mans yeah. gets to Augsburg. Mans is also tearing it up for Augsburg, doing a good job. Gets to move to um, Wolfsburg. Comes back to the national team for the World Cup, captains it, and we go three and out for the first time. Did he time. go back to Augsburg? After Wolfsburg, yeah. 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 So he's like a German export now through and through. German yeah, team. I remember he had a banger on his return to Augsburg against Bayern Munich that I remember was pretty fire. Right, um, right. Man, yeah, I'll put him above Lee Dong Gook for sure. <laughs> Give me Xi Dong Wang or Lee Dong Gook all day. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, I'm all about that. Yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, really funny. Um, yeah, so wait, I'm wondering, I'm trying to think of, okay, what about favorite memories then? Because you've got all these players that stick to mind for you, and I'm wondering if they also coincide with uh, favorite national team memories. Um, national team specifically? Uh, we can be more flexible. If there are other memories that come to mind, then I'm sure the fans would love to hear it. The people need to hear it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of memories of Sun in a Spurs shirt, but I'm, I'm biased because I am a Spurs supporter. True. Um, but maybe briefly, Justice City goals in the Champions League last year were insane. Yeah. Yep. Um, his back heel winner versus Watford in his first season when he was still getting established was pretty amazing. Right. That's when you guys had the sash, right? Oh yeah, exactly right. That's the season. Yep. Yep. I remember. I remember. 
Um, maybe national team memories. You know, like I said, I wasn't really conscious back in 02, so I don't think I can really count the Portugal-Italy-Spain matches. Yeah, I'm not going to hold you. I won't do the same either. Um, is it cheating here if I go Sun Cedric again and do the Asian game from two years ago? No, absolutely not. Absolutely, actually, say more on that, please. Say more on that. I, I just really like that squad. Um, and hmm. especially because I think there's a lot of potential there still with that team. Um, with who, let's, you'd say? Let me pull up the starting 11. Um, well, you already mentioned Kim Min Jae. I am really hoping that Spurs can facilitate a move for him. I would really adore him. I think he's a generational center back for Korea. Probably the best one they could possibly produce this millennium, honestly. I think of that highly of him. Yeah, I back that. I back uh, that. Hwang Woo Jo. Hwang Woo Jo, yeah. Um, was on that team. Mm -hmm. uh, Lee Sung Woo is somebody who's like kind of fallen off a cliff. I don't, I don't, yeah. He's totally fallen off a cliff, but he was in that team. That's true. Um, Hwang Yun Bom, who just got his move to Ruben Gazan. That's right. Was in that team. That's another one we got to give shout outs to. Shout outs to Hwang Yun Bom. Thank got you, Vancouver, that, for releasing that boy. Got out of the hellhole in Vancouver. Absolutely I, right. Absolutely right. From one snowy tundra to another, bro. From Canada to Russia, baby. But he's killing it off the bat that. right now. Yeah, absolutely. He's tearing it up right now. And I want nothing more than... I want nothing less than the best for that boy. So I think good. he's going to start at the World Cup in 2022. I think he's good enough to start in midfield. He has um, to. Yeah, if he keeps it up, he has to. There's one more name from that squad that wasn't in the starting 11 for that Gold Cup match, but was in the squad, and he's killing it in the K-League right now. Na Sang Ho who was on loan from oh, FC Tokyo. Like yeah, Songnam is kind of a team that I've adopted as like my pseudo K-League team because when I went to visit Korea, uh -huh. I think my family was around that area in Songnam, so I kind of gravitated towards them. I see. Um, and I really like, I just really like his game. I mean, he's kind of like Sun in the fact that he's an inverted winger, but he can also play as like a number 10. Okay. Um, and I don't know if he's going to go back to Tokyo after this loan, but I think he's got something like four in his last four for Sungnam right now. How old is he? He's only, I think he just turned 24. He just oh, turned 24. Okay, okay, okay. Um, he, took, he wasn't the wild card pick, right? The wild card was Cho Hyun Woo, Hwang Yi Jo, and Sung Min. Yes. Okay. That sounds okay. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's somebody that I hope, I don't know if he's going to make the World Cup squad, but um, he's somebody that I think is just at least exciting to watch right now. Word. Um, word, word, word. Oh, you know what's another one, Kevin? Uh, what about uh, the bronze medal team? Did you like that memory? The London 2012? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, mate. I forgot Absolutely. about that. Absolutely. Yo, tell me how when Korea played against Great Britain and we went all the way to penalties, I was at a music festival, actually. No way. Yeah. <laughs> and I, like, I was tight about... This is the only time I've ever been tight about going to a music festival because I wanted to watch a game. But like, we were like, a couple hours into a music festival. I was gassed. I was like, yo, I needed to like get some water. Like, I was <laughs> at the front for so long. And I get a buzz on my phone. And we went off penalties. And it was like after that moment where I was like, yo, fuck the break. We out here. I'm going to stay the entire time. Like, I vic vicariously lived that victory through the moment that I was in. And, yo, I loved that team. I really, like, Chung Sun Young had a great tournament. The, that, that whole team was just romantic as hell, man. Because every single 
player got minutes on the pitch. Yeah, yep. Even the sub goalkeeper had his heroic moment, saving Daniel Sturridge's goal because Chung Sung Young was injured. And yeah, bro, we had Ji Dong Won, Ki Sung Young, Kuja Chol. That was a time when I thought Kuja Chol and Ki Sung Young was really going to be a center midfield thing for Korea. Who was the guy that played for Mainz for a while? You might have already said his name. I think he was the captain of the national team for a little bit. I'm blanking on his name, though. He's a striker, right? No, he's a midfielder, and I think he's, like, in Arab country somewhere now. Oh, I thought... Oh, wait, shit. That may be Kuja Chol, actually. Because he went to Wolfsburg, and then Mainz, and then Augsburg. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That's right, that's right. I just didn't recognize the name right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was somebody that I really liked, too. He seemed very likable, too. Yeah, yeah. Dang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spoke about him earlier. Should have mentioned that he went to Mainz as well, or Mainz as well. But, yeah, I... And, dude, he's doing great stuff for the Korean national team right now. Like, he's got a YouTube channel. Like, he's creating uh, relationships between German FA and the Korean FA. Nice. Yeah, so he's, like, ambassador cool. That's, like, the joke running now. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, he might be a player, but he's also doing wonders for national team. Wait, so did he play with Ji Dong Wan at the same time at Augsburg? I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice, nice. There's Hong Jong-ho. Ji Dong Won and Kuja Chol. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to that bronze medal team. That white kit they had for that Olympics was dope. I need to get a pair of those. Yeah, yeah. Lie, yo. Um, anyway, uh, Kevin, we're pushing over an hour here. I think we've covered a lot here. Um, I think we did. It's weird. I have the free um, part of Zoom, and it said it was only going to do 40 minutes, but we're still here. I can still see your nice face. So Yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't know what pattern. happened. We take those, bro. Anyway, you take what we can get. Exactly, bro. Yeah. Yo, um, mm-hmm. Kevin, I wanted to say thank you for linking up with me. Um, I know we haven't had a chance to really talk free form like this before. Um, it's been really educational for me to be able to talk to you and um, honestly encouraging and reassuring to no, he- hear other people that have had similar experiences to me. Agreed, agreed. I mean, this conversation was something really good for my soul because... <laughs> ain't many koreans i can like i know personally and yeah and like just dude like the tavern the community the tavern being able to speak to you being able to actually talk about this shit for real for real and talk about korean football on top of it like Uh, chef's kiss yeah come on come for the audience kevin is doing the chef's kiss right now with his hands (laughs) that is beautiful Um, indeed Yo, yeah, man, on. it's great. Hopefully this isn't uh, the last one we do. We'll have to do it again. Um, shout yeah. out, Michael, to Albert again for allowing us to do this. Yes, Not possible without them, the whole tavern um, crew. Agreed. Um, agreed, agreed, agreed. And, and with that... Wait, I want to give some love. I want to give some love to yeah, some of love. If, if you are a listener out there that is also part of the Korean diaspora, please let the tavern know because, as you can tell, there aren't many of us folks that be keeping in touch with one another, but I feel like it'll be good for our souls if uh, we do. So please, if, if you are a listener, please let us know. Please know that we are grateful for your support. And uh, yeah, get in touch with either Bennett or me because we want to talk to y'all. And I need the validation in my life. I need that. Hello. So Hello. please <laughs> get in a hop in my DMs, please. Please. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
with that, um, before yes. it gets too weird, um, that has been the Tavern of the Taegook Warriors podcast. For Kevin and Bennett, thank you and uh, goodbye. Have a good night. <laughs> See ya.